Sat Yoga teachings are divided into an initial phase called the trivium and an advanced yogic phase we call the quadrivium. People who come here usually, with very few exceptions, are in a false and imaginary state of consciousness identified with body, with signifiers and traumas of childhood, and the ego defenses built around those, and are subject to very wild oscillations and bipolarities and instabilities and prone to breakdown, prone to depression, anxiety, despair, prone to what in analysis is referred to as passage à l'acte, which is when things get tough, one tends to run away. Within the ego, in its initial phase, there is no moral strength. And the ego's split mind attempts to have some kind of a healthy fragment that does maintain some ethical consciousness, but its unconscious is always sabotaging it, and it falls, and the shadow side acts out the, the Jekyll as well as the Hyde. And these two sides continue to create both internal power struggles, bad karma, reactions from the world and from within, symptoms in the body, etc. In this phase, there is no way to free oneself from the pathologies based on the past experiences and ego structure built on them and no way to escape guilt and bodily shame, a sense of lack, of defilement, and of unworthiness to attain any higher dimensions of reality. And usually with no desire or even thought about higher dimensions of reality that generally does not come within one's frame of reference, and one has no interest in it. The interests are within the phenomenal plane, making as much money as possible, looking as good as possible as a body, acting in ways that will gain prestige and power within the social system, gaining the approval of various others, learning to imitate in better ways those who are most popular and most powerful, and in general living an inauthentic existence. When one comes to Satyoga and begins to study the phase of the trivium we call translation, one begins to learn of that inauthenticity and one also then begins to 
lose one's infatuation with one's own ego. One begins to realize its ugliness, its pettiness, its dead-end jouissance, its inability to grow, its resistance to self-knowledge, and its running away from itself. And for the first time, probably in one's life, one begins to want to struggle against the ego's regressive tendencies. Because one has an experience of a possibility of growth that one sees modeled around one in others who have taken steps upward on the kundalini ladder of ascent to higher assemblage points and one sees how much more peaceful they are, how much more mature, how much more concentrated, how much more noble that they are, the higher they go. And one begins to have a new ideal, an ideal of attaining nobility, of attaining true empowerment and authenticity and a true connection to God consciousness, to the Buddha mind, to the real, beyond the imaginary fantasies of the ego and its symbolic flights of master's discourse <clears throat> that are another form of dead-end jouissance at a slightly higher level. And once one enters seriously into the transformation process through Atmanology sessions, one begins to deconstruct the resistance and to begin to shatter the frame of reference that has now become recognized as a prison, not a defense. And a greater urgency of self-liberation begins to arise in one's heart. It is this that leads one to then practice the transcendence dimension of the trivium and in meditation to attempt to silence the ego mind, to reach the real, to know oneself in a new way, a true way, and to free oneself of the usurpation of one's own mind by tendencies, by parental commands, by social commands, by programmings and conditionings from many sources that have kept one small, limited in one's thinking within the box, unable to imagine a greater and truer nature than the bodily egoic paradigm. And one wants to know what are the true potentials that life offers if I free myself from the enslavement to that usurping programming and operating system that the ego has become and one recognizes that it has become rigid and fossilized in a particular form that resists at all cost any change. And then one realizes one is in a battle 
a life or death battle, <clears throat> a salvation or damnation battle. And then the sadhana finally becomes serious. The meditation process at that point becomes much more intense and focused, but one realizes how resistant the ego mind is to desisting from its chatter and from its attempts to divert you from the core and empowered center of your being. And all of the information that one learned in the translation phase, which is all of the symbolic teachings, become gradually recognized at deeper and deeper levels. In other words, you come to know what you already knew but didn't want to know. And you come to know you know it at deeper levels. And the deeper you really know it, the more you must let it go. The more you cannot tolerate remaining in a state of self-betrayal. And it is this that leads to surrender to that higher power that alone can free you from your entrapment. in a sad and suffering loser mentality, stapled to a dead past and unable to imagine its own greatness, its own luminosity, its own divinity. At a certain point, the meditation process will deepen to such a level that one begins to have glimpses of the real self. Until then, the power of transcendence was theoretical. One's heart is never entirely in it because one doesn't entirely have faith in it. And of course, the unhealthy ego mind will not want you to have faith in it and will try to interrupt your attempts to attain samadhi and cause you to chatter or fall asleep or have something better to do or in some other way interrupt the silence and the diving into the depths of consciousness. But a moment comes in which the moral strength, the clarity, the wisdom, the grace of wholeheartedly seeking transcendence, seeking union with the God self, and not being willing to settle for anything less takes over. And one's relationship to life 
and to meditation undergoes another very profound shift. It is this shift that leads from the trivium to the quadrivium. It is what we call transvaluation. The first phase of the quadrivium is the realization. It comes naturally from within, not from a teaching. If it comes only from there, it's still within the imaginary and the trivium level. But when it comes within, the realization from the heart that nothing has any value except liberation in life, liberation from maya, from illusion, from karma, from suffering, from self-defeat, from the ego's self-deception, from all of the traits of egoic life that one is disgusted with. And when that yearning becomes totally earnest, one-pointed, and enduring, when there is no oscillation between the value of the supreme real and valuing other more phenomenal ambitions in life, that is when the shift into the quadrivium happens. This leads to a far, far deeper kind of meditation than was ever possible before. Because now, you really never want meditation to end. Because meditation is the doorway to God. You want the inner silence. You want to know yourself at the deepest level that has been unattainable to you. That has been obscured continually by emotions and thoughts that divert your attention to other values and other goals and enjoyments. But now, once there is the desire to enjoy only the bliss of God consciousness, everything changes. It is this that then leads to transfiguration because the meditations result in the reception of so much shakti, so much power, so much luminosity, both from within and descending upon one from the higher dimensions that are seemingly without, although there is no within or without in an ultimate sense. But that light creates a power of radiance and clarity and wisdom and grace that enables one to go through life now free of the automaticity of any egoic tendencies. And one breaks free of every chain that had been there of egoic loyalties and desires for approval of the big other or any other inauthentic 
thought. And this leads to the body, the physical appearance, literally beginning to glow. A halo can appear, an aura, a power that some may see, some may not. It's irrelevant to one. But the amount of power that then flows through one begins to bring about a different kind of energy field that has effects upon every interaction, every relationship, and magically opens doors of opportunity that would not have been present or perceivable in lower states of consciousness. As that luminosity fills the organism at a cellular level, it begins to then produce transmutation. Literally, the body changes, the DNA morphs, and different potencies that were only latent and inaccessible before become part of one's spontaneous repertoire of action including powers of healing, powers of knowledge, powers of remote access of information. Many different cities begin to arise. Until this point in the journey, it is not appropriate to desire cities. Most of the warnings against wanting them are warnings against using them as one's goal rather than liberation. But once one has achieved that level of inner silence and transvaluation in which one would never choose maya again, even if one had ostentatious capacities to impress others of a paranormal sort, then one is safe to allow them to appear, not for any purposes of an egoic desire, but as ways to serve lovingly, compassionately, those sentient beings who can be helped by those powers of healing and awakening and uplifting and allowing the witnessing of the reality of those higher levels of intelligence in their ability to act upon the phenomenal plane. It is then that the level of samadhi that is reached goes beyond the savikalpa and the various other stages that have been uh, delineated by many teachers. Savikalpa, in other words, a samadhi that is still with thought. There is still some chatter. There is still some interruption, even though one is not being diverted from meditation by those thoughts and one is not entertaining them and being pulled down, they still interrupt and lower the vibrational frequency. But at this phase, one begins to reach nirvikalpa samadhi, which means 
you've reached that level in which there is no thought. There is true inner silence. And when that inner silence is established and maintained, a resonance with the mind of God is gained so that there is a clear reception of all of the information that is required at any given moment. There is conquest of the mind once and for all. There is swatantriya, true freedom, freedom from maya. There is swarajya, self-rule, self-sovereignty. And no longer is one under the influence of any other power but that of God. And that power is realized as oneself. This phase continues to deepen. And it reaches a point in which the nirvikalpa samadhi morphs into sahaja samadhi. It is now that the practice of raja yoga morphs into the practice of nisarga yoga. In other words, one realizes that the silence is one's real nature. It is not something to be attained during a formal sitting it is that which is the level of one's being that is now sustainable throughout time. Whether the body is active, whether the mind is active in doing service of one kind or another, the silence remains inviolable. And there are no further illusions, there is no further karma. There is no further ego. There is no further identification with the body. It is when the last traces of identification with the body have dissolved that one enters the final phase of transfinitization. Because now one's center from which one feels one is thinking or perceiving or knowing, shifts out of the body, out of any localization, and the capacity for omnicentricity emerges. One realizes God everywhere in everyone and in that knowledge, the everyone becomes the self, not different. And true non-duality becomes the palpable real. It is then that the full power of God consciousness descends 
and functions through the organism when there is no longer any identification with it and it descends in order to serve God that is now recognized as the cosmos, as everyone, as every manifestation being none other than the one self without a second. And that descent of God's power within the organism is immediately transmitted so that it is recognized in everyone who receives that energy as their own true nature. This is the culmination of the journey within the level of the phenomenal plane. And the body will complete whatever its mission had been to attain, but the consciousness no longer identified with body has no care about the body's life or death or of anything that happens because all is God and nothing is happening. And all is the miracle of the unfoldment of the self. which is known beyond the limits of space or time, not as an unfoldment, but as a whole. And the unification of nirvana and samsara, of consciousness and world, God and self, and the all, reaches its unification and then finally its own absolute transcendence so that there is neither duality between being and non-being, between nothingness and infinity or any other distinctions. But that attainment of the absolute has reached such a point that there is from this level no return. And the wheel of karma of life and death has been transcended. Along the way, as one enters the quadrivium, one will want to retreat into deeper and deeper levels of solitude and silence. One will be very happy to be able to take a vow of silence. Because the outer silence enables a much deeper attainment of inner silence.
And because the inner silence is filled with the richness, the wealth of wisdom, it is not a blank, dead silence of the tamasic phase of the ego, but a living silence that is ever speaking, that is ever offering insights into this dream that the world is, ever offering deeper joy, deeper inner laughter, deeper ecstasy at the realization of the intelligence, the wisdom, the power, and the feeling of the love of God in one's heart as the very power of life itself and what makes life meaningful and all that makes life worth living. And so one wants as much of that as possible. Once one wants to be totally saturated in that ocean of blissful presence of God. One wants nothing but that. And the silence enables that to be experienced in its ultimate form without impurity. and at the most accelerated rate possible to be achieved. And so those who have entered into the quadrivium are truly living a sacred life. There is no more ego. Those in the quadrivium, you would never see pouting or sulking or demanding or getting angry or having any other kinds of egoic reactivity. They have gone beyond that. If not, they are not really in the quadrivium. It is an imaginary transition. But in the quadrivium, there has been the purification of the soul to that extent that the ego's lower chakra latencies have been dissolved and the sublimation of those energies have brought one to open-hearted love of everyone without projection, without fear. And because there is no lack, because one has found God within oneself, one never projects the holy grail or the object of desire on any other being or on any experience or on any kind of future that has not been attained. One recognizes that all that is is within and that you are that. And any tendency to externalize and run away from that, any fear of being overwhelmed by that ecstasy, any sense that the ego has that that liberation comes as a threat or a kind of depersonalization that could bring a breakdown rather than a breakthrough, all of those have been worked through and processed and released and there is total openness, 
to the bliss of God's presence. There are no more shut doors behind which lurk any forbidden knowledge or unbearable knowledge. All of that will have already been dealt with. And it must be dealt with first because it is only the retrieval of that repressed information that enables you to put together all the dots of life, to make sense of life in such a way that it is clearly cognized by the conscious waking mind that the only path out of the labyrinth of suffering is liberation from the ego itself. The only way from the misery of one's traumas and of the split mind that tries to not know the unbearable truth about one's family, about one's own relationships, about one how, how one has been defiled, about one's own secret desires for vengeance or for self-hatred and self-harm and for all of those other pathologies. One cannot reach the quadrivium without having processed and released all of this so that it is not projected into further karma. And there must be no desire any longer to shine as an individual being, but to surrender to the shining of God. to that luminosity which has no ego, which seeks nothing, but which constantly offers love to all without favoritism. It is that level of purification that alone can enable one to stabilize in the quadrivium without falling into collusions that will bring about a return of body consciousness and desires that will take one down again. This purification is the essential preparation without which the quadrivium cannot be attained and the absolute cannot be attained. Thus, there is nothing lower about the trivium than the quadrivium it is the essence of the work. It is the hard part of the work. Once that is done, the quadrivium, in fact, is very easy. There's nothing to do, literally, but be. One has morphed from a doing to a being, and then from being to the absolute beyond being. This happens spontaneously without struggle. But all of the struggle, all of the effort has to happen in the trivium to break free from the competing desires to go down into the lower death drive rather than take the upper. But to live in an ashram means one has chosen to take the upper death drive, to kill the ego, to transcend illusion and maya, and to recover one's true nature as the manifestation of God. It begins with realizing you are a daughter or son of God and living nobly, royally, 
in alignment with the highest values of goodness, of grace, of greatness. But then that morphs to an even higher level in which no ego self-image remains. You've replaced an impure, defiled self-image with a noble one, but now even that must be released to know the nameless, formless absolute. It is this journey that requires such great courage and willingness to let go, to cut one's bonds to the past, to break free of one's frame of reference, to enter into the unknown, to discover a truth that only faith can enable you to leap into without fear and to overcome all of the ego's anxieties that would try to hold you back. It is that letting go, which includes not just the letting go of suffering, that's the easy part. The hard part is letting go of the good stuff that the ego has given you. The moments that there have been a sense of love, the moments there have been a sense of empowerment, of recognition, of a sense of freedom and empowerment, but you know that it was too limited, it wasn't consistent, it wouldn't remain, there would be a backlash, there would always be a fall, you couldn't hold on to the gains. And it's the realization that that futility is inherent to the ego's structural split nature that requires the transcendence of ego and the healing of all of the splitting and fragmentation of the mind through surrender to the infinite mind of God. Nothing less will bring real love, eternal love, eternal life, eternal bliss to be one's true experience, imperience, sumerience of reality that can be shared and can be used in the service of the world for the awakening of all beings who have forgotten who and what they are. This is the purpose of Satyoga, why we offer teachings and retreats, and why we must at some point all go beyond teachings and the symbolic level of reality into that supreme real that cannot be known by the mind, that unattainable self must be realized as what you are, not what you seek and can never reach. It is then that fulfillment and liberation are attained and recognized as always having been the truth of what is.
Tattvamasi. You are that. You are that here and now, eternally. May it be realized. May the daughter and son of God become avatars, manifestations of God, so that that godliness, that goodness, that beauty, that power, those cities may be used in the service of the restoration of the beauty and goodness of our world. So that this dream in the mind of God may be renewed and the blessings of growth into the blessed journey of liberation may be known by all of the infinite elements of that Supreme Consciousness who will take birth in future ages and other worlds through the power of that blessing that you are who have attained your liberation through this path and can provide the power for the liberation of all.